It's time to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. Hey, this is Lee Balkum. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast. We're in the middle of a habit, habit series. This is a series about how you build your habits, how you make those habits stick, how you understand those habits, and how you create what I call the linchpin habits, the ones that are multiplying on your other habits, the ones that allow you to, to find deeper and deeper places to grow into these better habits. Today, I want to talk about how you make sure your habits stick. It, it, a lot of times, we, we find that people want to change their habits, but don't have much success. If you've ever had that, that place, maybe it's New Year's Eve and you're coming up with uh, what you want to have as, as your resolutions of the new year, what you'll notice is a lot of times those are resolutions that are around habits. Resolving to lose weight, resolving to eat better, resolving to exercise, resolving to you know, go out more with friends. Lots of resolutions are out there. And yet they're all based in these habits, which is why we find that they fall off so quickly. Um, if you are a regular person who goes a regular gym attender, right, you regularly go to a gym, you might notice that come right around the New Year's, it suddenly gets very busy there. And you're trying to find a machine, you're trying to find a way to work out there, and it's just so crowded. Well, some people just give up. But what you'll notice is if you wait and, and, and continue that process and hang in there until about mid-February, suddenly all the machines are a lot more empty because nobody got their habit to stick or, or not many got their habit to stick. And so suddenly the number of people there disappear. What happens is that our habits are about building neuronal pathways and if we're trying to get rid of a bad habit, it's about paring away a neuronal pathway. So a neuronal pathway is based in the neurons of your brain, the nerve cells of your brain. And, and whenever you connect something up, whenever you figure something out, there's a neuronal connection. A lot of the ways that you can understand this very easily are to think back on math. You remember that math, maybe some at one point you didn't understand a concept and suddenly you did. That's, that's a neuronal pathway. Uh, when, and it's easiest to see in math because it's usually on or off. You suddenly, you don't understand something, it's off. And then suddenly your brain kicks in and connects everything up and you understand it. It makes sense. The neuronal pathway is connected and then you can't unconnect it, right? You remember that math concept. Well, there are lots of ways that happens in our life. And generally, the longer we do something repetitively, the stronger that neuronal pathway becomes which is why it makes sense if you're trying to learn a musical instrument to practice a little bit every day. I remember in my childhood, what I was trying to do when, when I, it was time for me to, to do some lessons is I would, I would try to avoid the lessons and cram them in. So instead of doing 15 minutes a day, I was trying to do an hour right before my lesson so that I could catch up. The problem is I wasn't strengthening the neuronal pathway on a regular basis, and so it wasn't gaining strength. It wasn't getting reinforced along the way. I remember this very vivid reminder of how these little things happen by watching nature. Uh, my parents' uh, place uh, is right near the waterway on the coast of North Carolina. And I remember that I, I was out there during a storm. It was a horrible storm, a washout kind of storm. And it lasted several days. And there's this uh, sandy road right beside them, gravelly sandy road. 
And there's always been a little rut that, that somehow got into that, uh, that drive. Somebody drove down and, and caused a little bit of a rut. But I noticed as I was watching that as the, the water was running down, it began to find that rut. And as it found the rut, it cut a deeper and deeper place in it. And so what began as a very small little rut running uh, down the road all the way to the water line got very, very deep. In fact, so deep that you couldn't drive on the road because you would pop into that that rut and, and be grounded out on the ground. And they had to come and refill it because the rut had gotten deeply cut just because the water was constantly running down. It's the same in your brain. The more you do something, the more the neuron is running the connection, the stronger it gets until it's to the point that it becomes your rut. Now, we have good ruts and bad ruts, right? If you're exercising, that's kind of a good rut. If you are uh, you know, eating poorly, that's kind of a bad rut. And this is the basis for addictions, by the way, because addictions happen when we get some reinforcement. We get some consistent, it makes us feel good or makes us feel more social, and addiction begins to grow and we find the rut. In fact, as I talk uh, to people who have been addicted, one of the things they tell me is, is that there are always uh, these beginning points to this, that, that something got them started, and then it began to be a deeper and deeper ingrained rut. The problem is that habits, whether good or bad, are based in positive reinforcement. That doesn't mean good reinforcement, like it was it, it, you know, bad habits aren't rewarded with good stuff, but positive means that it made you feel better. If you think about any of those habits, like somebody who has a bad habit of smoking cigarettes, most people who smoke cigarettes tell me they don't want to continue, and yet they find themselves doing it because there is a reinforcement when they're feeling anxious or when they're uh, feeling uh, and they want to relax or when they're feeling a little bit down and they want to rev themselves up. Either one, nicotine will do both. And so they take a smoke and instantly they have a chemical reinforcement that makes them feel better and also the habit of it. It becomes a repetitive kind of behavior that builds into a constant pattern. That's the nature of good habits and bad habits. Habits don't always work for you long term, which is why we're in this place of thinking about habits. If you've got a bad habit, I can tell you it's much easier to move to a good habit than to stop cold on a bad habit. It's easier to make a transformation to the good than to try to get rid of the bad. If you have no habit, then you're starting fresh and there's no rut there already. You're building a rut in. So one of the things I would encourage you to do is to to choose a habit to think about. Maybe there's a habit you want to choose, something you want to be intentional about. And you can think about that as we talk about these processes of moving into this, of how you stick the habit. James Clear talks about that there are three R's to making any habit stick. He says there's the reminder, the routine, and the reward. Reminder, routine, reward. And they go round and round. So think of the reminder as something that triggers that thought. For instance, a reminder, your alarm goes off in the morning. So the reminder is it's time to get up. The routine is, okay, now once I'm up, I do these steps. And then there's a reward because then you get to get out the door on time or you get to finally have your coffee or whatever that reward is. It happens for all of us. Uh, James Clear talks about even the phone going off, right? A phone rings, there's a reminder. 
you pick it up and answer it. That's the routine. And if there's somebody on the other line you want to talk to, there's a reward involved in that. And so reminder, routine, reward. That can help you set up the good habits. When we tie some action to something we're already doing, it's a lot easier. So sometimes I've had people who wanted to find a way of relaxing, uh, of, of being a more relaxed in the day and having a more gratitude place, that they use the trigger of a phone ringing. Because most of us are faced with that throughout the day. A phone rings, our phone rings. And so the reminder is a phone ringing. The routine of it, the next piece of it, which is really the habit, is instead of instantly answering the phone, they take just a couple of big, deep belly breaths to relax, and they think of something for which they're grateful. That's it. That's all they have to do in the moment. And so the, the trigger is the phone rings. That's the reminder. Then the routine, two big breaths and something they're thankful for. And the reward of that is they start the conversation more relaxed. And sometimes they can say, good for me, and they answer the phone, and they pat themselves on the back. Maybe you decide that you're going to do something like a habit is going to be that you want to read more in the evenings. And so you make it a habit. You, every evening you find yourself sitting in that same easy chair. There's your reminder. So you put a book beside it. And so the reminder to read is you sit down in that easy chair and that you're only going to read maybe five pages. So reminder, you sit down in your easy chair, routine, you pick up the book and you read those five pages. And after you've read that, you get yourself a nice decadent piece of dark chocolate and eat it, just a little square, just enough to reward yourself. By the way, I always rationalize because, you know, dark chocolate is good for you. So a little bit actually is beneficial. So we can always use that as a little bit of a reward. So you have a reminder, then you do a routine, and then you have a reward. Think about how that can fit into your life. When I was starting to exercise, my reminder was to put out my exercise clothes and my exercise shoes right beside my bed. Reminder, I get up and there are my clothes. The clothes I can easily put on right there. Now, once they're on, the routine was to go exercise. The reward after that was you know, to grab a smoothie. Uh, and by the way, when I say smoothie, I mean like a healthy smoothie, not one from one of the companies that serves you a big serving of sugar, but something good. You know, I'd grab a little treat to reward myself at the end of the exercise. That's the reminder, the routine, and then the reward. Now, BJ Fogg adds on that you've got to make sure that there's authentic motivation. Authentic motivation is getting to why you're doing it. So a lot of times in January, people uh, are deciding that they're going to get in shape because they're upset about how clothes are fitting or, or something else, right? Some appearance. That usually doesn't carry them very far because the payoff is so far down the road. But what if you go a little bit deeper? What if you ask yourself some whys? Why do I want to look better in my clothes? Well, when I look better in my clothes, I feel better about myself. Why does that matter? Because when I feel better about myself, then I find myself to be more social. Why does that matter? Because I want to have more friends. Why does that matter? Because I want to make more connections and be more connected in my community. Now you have a motivation to step back from. It can be lots of pieces. Maybe it's a heart, it's a heart concern or a health concern or, or something else that gives you that motivation, but there's got to be some authentic motivation behind why you're making those changes. Why do you want to read at night? Maybe it's to gain new skills. Maybe it's to have a broader understanding. Maybe it's just because you know that's a process of learning and growing. That's an authentic motivation. 
Uh, B.J. Fogg also says that it has to be a simple action. You can't go from zero to 100. It has to be a simple action. Um, so he talks about micro habits. Let's say you decide that every day you're going, you want to do uh, push-ups. Well, the worst thing you can do is say, I'm going to do 100 push-ups every day. It's probably not going to happen. But what if you were to decide to do one push-up? Just one push-up each day. That's a micro habit. So you get down on the floor and you do one push-up. It's likely that if you do one push-up, you might do two or three. You might do four or five. So over time, making a micro habit can grow. Maybe you decide that you want to floss your teeth. That's BJ Fogg uses this as an example that you want to floss your teeth, but it, you, know, you, you never get around to it. So what if you made a commitment that you're going to floss one tooth, just one? And so in this case, your reminder is that you're brushing your teeth. And so you put right beside your toothbrush your dental floss, maybe a flosser. It's easy to grab and you decide that you're going in your routine to do one tooth. At the end of that, you get to brush your teeth and feel good and clean and, and say, good job. So that's your reward. You might find some other, but hopefully not dark chocolate after you brush your teeth. But find some way of doing that with a micro habit. And the last thing is you want to have that trigger, that something that's tied to a habit you're already doing. So remember, when you're thinking about what habit you're going to develop, think about that authentic motivation. Make sure it's very simple. And then make sure there's a trigger to it, which brings us back to James Clear's three R's. You want a reminder, a routine, and a reward. Find some re something that's going to remind you about that. The second thing is to have a routine ready to go, right? You, you do your habit, and then you somehow reward yourself every time. Pat yourself on the back. It doesn't have to be food or candy or a treat or anything. It can just be saying, hey, great, I'm proud of myself. A little self-talk can do the same thing. These are the ways that you make those habits stick. Remember, you become your habits. So the more you want to move in that direction, the more you need those habits to stick. This is Lee Balkum wishing you the best as you build through habits, a thriving life. You've been listening to the Thrivology Podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at Thrivology.com or at ThrivologyMagazine.com. Remember that Thrivology is spelled T-H-R-I-V-E-O-L-O-G-Y. It's your life. Time to live it. Thrivology.